0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stories of Asia podcast. In this podcast, we bring stories from the workplace, businesses and communities to teach a lesson, share perspectives and inspire your journey. My name is Andrew Toh and I'm your host of this podcast. In this first season, we talk about some of the biggest struggles people face in Asia. And what's interesting about this episode is that I've invited Jan Tanchi to share his story about... uh, how he managed to land a job uh, at the age of 25 in one of the places that he didn't know that he could actually uh, end up in. So, Jen, I'm so glad that you could join me in this podcast. And why don't we just start off by sharing a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks again, Andrew and Sam out there somewhere for inviting me to this wonderful session. Again, um, for me, you know, these are opportunities to really just, you know, share your story and you're reminded about how grateful you are about where you're at currently and also hopefully this story will also inspire those who will listen, um, people who are going through or have went through the same thing that I went through in the past. So firstly, introduction. So Jan Tanshi, Um, I'm the HR lead for Microsoft Philippines and also our AHQ services business um, that's based out of Singapore. Um, I'm personally still based in the Philippines. As you know, over the past, nine months probably, we've all been locked down at home, working from home, and adapting to this new normal. Um, and a bit about me, um, I've always been in HR. I'm a graduate of psychology from one of the universities here in the Philippines, near de Manila University. And when I graduated, I really didn't know what career I'd have. I probably guess that, oh, you know, any role that's aligned to psychology would be my first stab at the corporate world. And then I'd see how that goes. Um, And lo and behold, that was HR. I started my career in GSK as an HR associate handling employee engagement, you know, the fun stuff. It was called employee relations at the time, but I didn't know that employee relations had labor relations as part of it. So actually what I was handling wasn't employee relations at all. It was purely just um, the fun stuff and the yeah. engagement activities for employees. And then throughout my career in GSK, um, I stayed there for almost five years. I went through multiple roles within HR. Um, I dabbled in um, Comp and Ben and HR operations. So I became the HR operations lead for GSK Philippines. And if you know GSK, it's a pharmaceutical company, GlaxoSmithKline.
0: Yeah. But
1: along with it, of course, it also has multiple business units. We have the pharma business unit or pharmaceutical business unit. We have the consumer business unit and the manufacturing site. So of course, all those three business units function very differently, have different p and and have different demographics in terms of employees as well. So it was really a melting pot of multiple organizations in just one big organization. And I think I owe majority of the things that I've learned foundationally in HR through my experiences in GSK. Um, Me as an individual, I'm not a detail-oriented person, to be honest. Um, And majority of those who are close to me know that. And probably that's why also after doing the fun stuff in employee engagement, the second role that was given to me by my HR director at the time in GSK was again, the operations lead role. So of course you had to up your game in terms of your savviness towards data, to using Excel and all that jazz. And then probably after that stint for around two years, that's when I went through the HR business partnership track where I supported the consumer business of GSK. Um, And until that time, actually, I I still wasn't clear whether HR was for me. I was probably around 23, 24 at the time. and I remember there was a time when we had multiple resignations on the team, and you know I had to stretch and do multiple roles. Um, and it was also a time when I had the most difficult conversations probably of my professional career, where my general manager at the time told me, "You know, Jan, you have two decisions to make. Decision A is you walk out that door. I'll find your replacement by tomorrow. Decision B is." you stay committed to my business and you understand what it means to be a business partner. I chose the latter decision to stay and of course um, choose to be committed. And that's where I really fell in love with the whole concept of being an HRBP. We did great, amazing things there. And then fast forward probably a year from that time on, I remember I got a random cold call from someone from the UK, I believe, part of the Microsoft recruitment team and was asking me whether I was interested to do an HR director role for Microsoft in the Philippines. And I kid you not, to this day, the the words that I told the person was, I don't think I'm ready for the role because I'm still 25. I can give you names about other HR people, HR practitioners who I know who are more well-versed than me. Maybe, you know, you can try those out first. Um, But the recruiter went, "Uh, you know, no, no, uh, no problem at all. Just go through the process. You'll never know what you're gonna learn. And fast forward around two months later, after the entire process, um, God gifted me the role. And I think that's really where my career took off. One of the things in Microsoft that we loved is the whole concept of DNI and how that comes to life. I myself, I think, I'm a product of DNI coming to life because i remember for us in microsoft diversity is when you invite someone to a dance inclusion is when you actually invite that person to dance
0: all right so dni is diversity and inclusion right and inclusion yes, okay. yes,
1: yes um and i remember day one in microsoft for me was so scary because i thought i was going to be judged for being a young hr lead that no one was going to trust my opinions but from day one i've never felt more included than ever before Um, And that ties back to, you know, the journey that our company has gone through from being a company of know-it-alls to a company of learn-it-alls, where we're really open to learning from each other, really looking at the potential of one another rather than just looking at the past. And that's where I am now. Um, I'm having the time of my life God has blessed me with such an amazing opportunity. And yeah. Thanks for inviting me to this show. Sorry for the long oh, introduction, Andrew.
0: No, that 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 is perfect because you've given me a lot of. Uh um, things to talk about and to, um, discuss. So, okay. So you came out of university, you studied psychology and you practically didn't know what you wanted to do. do, So you just wanted to do something related to your studies, but then you ended up, uh, applying for jobs, I I think. And then you, um, ended up in a, in employee relations. You didn't know what there was, but eventually you found it really fun. You had a lot of things to do there. It was fun. Great. And then, There were some difficulties and then you had to make some tough decisions. And then you uh, basically rose to the occasion to become a business partner. Um, And then after that, uh, sometime when you were 24, 25 years old, you received a call um, from a HR. uh, you, You basically were headhunted for a role, right? So that was interesting because at a point in time, you mentioned that you were only 25 years old. And you, 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 you doubted yourself, right? But so what was, you know, as I look at your entire career since you first started, what was the biggest struggle that you faced?
1: I think, um, firstly, there, there's this concept called um, saboteurs, saboteurs and sages. Um, saboteurs are normally those self-voices in your head that bring you down. I think I had a lot of that in the past. Um up, up to this day, I still have, have those stuff telling you you're not good enough. You need to do better. You need to always watch your back. Um, you're still too young. You're not experienced enough. And I think those were the concepts that were floating in my mind when I was um, approached for that role. The second principle probably was in the... In a company like Microsoft, you would expect, of course, um, a certain level of seniority of excellence that comes with a brand. And I personally felt that my story was still too little to be able to contribute to such a powerful organization at the time. Um, And that's where, of course, the lines get blurred between humility or being humble versus doubting yourself. Um, I would say it's always important to be humble, but never doubt yourself for the accomplishments that you've done in the past, because those are amazing accomplishments, no matter who you are and no matter where you come from. And that's one thing I learned, not right away, but throughout this two and a half years that I've been with Microsoft, that don't get defined by you know, you feel young and everything because you've already done amazing stuff. Mm. So find comfort in that.
0: All right. Okay, Jen. Uh, so tell me a bit more about the role. So you, you were hate hunted for that. You had self-doubt um, in your mind. You're not sure whether you're qualified to or, or even uh, competent or have, have an excellent profile as a lead, uh, one of the best tech organizations in the world. Eventually, did you manage to find out why you, you were um, approached for that role? Uh, or did you manage to find out what happened?
1: Um, you mean why, why I got selected
0: for the yeah, role? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I think two things. The first one is always be true to yourself when you go through these interview processes. Um, point blank, actually, throughout majority of the interviews, I was just very transparent with what I've been through, what I know, and what I don't know. The second piece is that when you're in a crisis, you don't actually understand how that crisis is molding you for better things in the future. And that's exactly what happened to me through the Microsoft interview process because there was a really tough situation that we that we dealt with in the past in GSK where I had to double hat, triple hat, whatever. And honestly, at that time, um, when I look back at my GSK memories, that was probably the toughest time of my career because you woke up every day trying to chase after something, Um and you were never doing something for tomorrow. You were always doing something for yesterday. you were playing catch up every single day. And at that time, I really didn't know why God was putting me through that. I really wanted to resign already, but I just stuck it through. And that's when the conversation also happened with my general manager that, you know, you can choose to be committed or you walk out the door and imagine you're already doing so much work and then you're told that by your general manager. Of course, you're also quite, um, quite um, stressed out in terms of what's God, what, what's the bigger plan of God for all for me to go through all this. Mm. When I I walked through those scenarios during my interviews in Microsoft, and when I got hired, I asked my boss at the time, um, who was our APAC HR director, why did you choose me over everyone else? And it was because of that incident, because of going through that incident and being resilient enough to stick through despite having such a difficult time. Mm. So to the listeners also, you know, when you're, whether you're in a tough situation now or you were in a tough situation before, there's really a bigger plan out there for all of us. Um, And, you know, it will really work out for the best eventually.
0: Mm. Okay. So... You so you basically went through a crisis uh, at GSK where you had to double head, triple head, and take on several responsibilities, and you had to make some very tough decisions, even on the verge of a uh, quitting. Um, and then a call came along. So it's and and you mentioned a lot of times about uh, how this opportunity uh, seems like God giving it to you. So it it sounds like a, almost like a too 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 good to be called a, even a coincidence. It's almost like predestined.
1: Okay. That's that's what I um I felt it felt like that. It still feels like that to this day. Sometimes wow. I try to pinch myself.
0: Um just really
1: grateful. <laughs> you, yeah. You're really <laughs> grateful, especially with the amazing people we work with on a daily basis here in Microsoft. Mm-hmm. You you just feel so blessed and you want to share that blessing and that whole experience to other people to make them know that it, it is possible. It, it can happen mm. that way.
0: Okay, so you went through the interview. You, um, you, you were very authentic. You shared the struggles and the experiences you went through and eventually you found out that uh, it's because of those struggles and the resilience that you displayed that really attracted um, the hiring manager on the other side. could um, you share with us a bit more about how did you make that decision to take out Microsoft's offer. Eventually, when they came along and said, okay, Jen, um, this is the offer. How did you make the, de- the decision between staying at GSK and going to Microsoft?
1: I think it's, for me, when I decided to join Microsoft, it was three pronged. Personal, um, relationships outside of work, and relationships within GSK. So on the personal side, I knew the incremental value it would mean if I were to become the HR lead for Microsoft Philippines. I know how that would have helped my career and how that has helped my career. Mm-hmm. And it was something that GSK at the time, I would not experience probably only five more years or 10 more years down the road, but Microsoft was giving it already. Aside from that, the cultural transformation of the company and where the company is at from... A, mission standpoint was something that very that resonated to me um, significantly well and that I saw myself incrementally contributing to that impact statement in the, in the country. On the personal relationships outside of work, um, I also took the advice of the loved ones that I trusted. Um, at that time, I was also thinking about proposing to my girlfriend um, and getting married and I didn't, you know, with, with GSK at that time, the Microsoft offer and, and being graced by the Microsoft role was something that would incrementally speed up my future, um, that would enable me also and empower me to get married, um, because I wanted to get married already. The third piece on the professional side or professional relationships. That's where as an HR person, for those of you who are HR practitioners listening, I would say that's where the value of through business partnership comes in because actually I took the advice of my general manager for consumer at the time. I showed him the offer. I told him about the role and he also advised me on why I should take it and why I should not take it. Um, And he told me, if you take it, it will be good because of these reasons. However, these are the risks that might happen along the way. So are you prepared for these risks? And he was very objective and he was very transparent with me. Um, And that helped because having that vote of confidence from the business leader I was supporting, he wasn't even my line manager. He was just the GM I was supporting, really drove home the decision tree for me, that it was a clear yes to pursue the role. Mm -hmm.
0: It seems like being objective and being transparent is so important in your career. Why do you think it's so important to be transparent and objective um, throughout your entire career?
1: I think, I personally think this is just a personal opinion. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If you don't show up as your authentic self to work, it will be 10 times more tiring to live up to that standard day in and day out. However if you're able to really authentically bring who you are to work, um, you might not even need to work a single day in your life, right? There's a saying like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I firmly believe in. Because when I joined Microsoft, I didn't pretend to be someone who was really well-versed in HR. I was very transparent. These are the things that I know. These are the things I completely have no. So I asked my leadership team, "Can you help me understand these things that I don't know about?" And they immediately helped me from day one. And and that that's really why I became successful. It wasn't because of me. It was also because of all the amazing leaders that um, were alongside me when I entered into Microsoft and to this day.
0: Wow, that's powerful. So you were even transparent about. What you don't know, and yep. by being transparent, you basically say, "Hey guys, I need help. I don't know this. Can someone help me?" And as a result, yeah. someone helped but, me, and eventually get along.
1: But of course, you know the I would say I was in a situation where I could do that, mm. where where it was a company that I could do that. Mm. Um, there are companies though that that might not be possible, you know, because being realistic, not all companies have that type of culture and have that type of environment. And for those companies, there's nothing wrong with that company either. It's just you need to adapt to it a different way. Um, You need to probably be more prepared and more tactical in terms of which relationships you need to leverage and to really hone further Mm -hmm. to get that support that you need.
0: So Jen, what advice would you then share with um, people right now who are struggling with trying to be authentic with themselves uh, either because... Um, They either have self-doubt or, you know, they have certain reasons why they want or or don't want to do certain things. You know, they're just basically struggling with trying to um, even express themselves for fear of repercussions, um, you name it.
1: I think first one, um, for those listeners out there who understand what allyship means, it's really about practicing empathy towards others. I do firmly believe that having a strong ally in the professional setting that you're working in is critical for you to be authentic. So find that ally, whether that's a colleague of yours from a different team, whether that's a teammate of yours, or even your boss, find that ally and share to that ally everything that you're going through and everything that you're thinking about. Just because you feel you're unable to speak up, don't create a self story for yourself that you aren't amazing because you are amazing. Continue to believe that you are amazing. Ever um, also stay humble. And that's the third and final piece, probably. Um, for us who are, we are all millennials. Well, I'm millennial. Andrew's millennial. Um, I think the majority of the listeners are millennial, probably. Um, we have this mentality that we can conquer the world. We can, but we can't do it alone. We need the right resources. We need the right mentors. We need the right, as I mentioned earlier, allies to be able to do that. So even if we are all individually amazing, no matter what age, no matter where you come from, you will need that support because you can't do anything alone. You need to do it together. So continue to be humble and continue to be open to learn from the person beside you, the person in front of you, the person behind you.
0: All right. So find allies and that person can be someone you can be very transparent with to just share your thoughts and feelings and that person could also then help you back. So let's say someone has identified some, another person who could be an ally, but they haven't exactly established a relationship yet. Um, how could then someone approach that person and then um, um, create that uh, request to, to um, basically ask the person, hey, can, I, can you be my ally? <laughs> you know, uh, in, in a more tactful way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think from a tactical standpoint, you know, um, don't be scared to chat an individual. Everyone will be open to chatting. Have a coffee with the individual, understand their background. And that's the important thing. Um, finding an ally doesn't isn't necessarily a very formal process. It can be a friend, right? So try to angle on the lines of friendship first try to see you know have coffee with the individual understand their background as well because of course it's not a one-way street that you're just talking you need to also understand where that person's coming from and what that person's background is so yeah mainly don't 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 be afraid um just just message the person think the person if you've seen the person in multiple forums where you think the person has been amazing then just message the person hey are you free for a coffee chat well now it's a virtual coffee chat um, because I really want to learn more from you. So just just don't be, don't be afraid.
0: All right. Thank you, Jen, for sharing a story. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Stories of Asia podcast. I hope you have learned from this story as we teach a lesson and share perspectives. If you like this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Do leave a comment, rate, and subscribe to this show so you won't miss our next episode as we have more stories to share with you in the next Stories of Asia podcast. Thank you, Jen, for coming onto this show.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Sam. And have a great day, everyone.